are listening to In the Booth, a politics podcast from the Frederick News Post. My name is Jack Hogan, and I cover county and state politics for the News Post. In the coming days, we'll be publishing interviews with candidates running for Frederick County Executive and Frederick County Council to help voters get to know more about some of the local names that will be on their ballots in November. Today's guest is Frederick County Council President M.C. Keegan Ayer, who since 2014 has represented Council District 3, which covers the western part of Frederick. Council President Keegan Ayer, who is retired, worked for 10 years on Capitol Hill, first as a legislative assistant, then as legislative director for members of Congress, and later as a lobbyist. Council President Keegan Ayer is running for re-election and is the Democratic nominee in the race for the District 3 seat. Her opponent on the Republican side is Shelley Alloy, who is the executive director of the Marriage Resource Center of Frederick County and a former member of the Frederick Board of Aldermen. Council President, welcome to the newsroom at In the Booth. Okay, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, so why did you decide to run again for the county council? Well, uh, there were several reasons. Number one, uh, there were um, some issues, uh, disparity that in my issue that were in my district that were uncovered during COVID. Um, and I felt like I was probably I'm most prepared to be the one to address those issues in some way, shape, or form. It's going to take some um, maneuvering um, to get, you know, ways to address those issues through the county government, uh, and I felt like I needed to step up and do that one last time. And, you know, schools are always a big thing, and I still have school overcrowding issues in my district despite, you know, working with the county executive to provide funding for Two brand new schools uh, and one um, brand new school that was moved out of the district. Um, so yeah, it is. It's it. Schools seem to be a never-ending issue for this county. It's just we're growing and capacity just seems to be a problem. You mentioned school overcrowding. What are some of the other disparities? Do you think COVID? The dis- the, yeah. Okay, so disparities in the district that were uncovered were the um, access to healthcare, um, access to. Um, um, not just healthcare, but things like um, just health information, um, and a disparity regarding access to um, transportation, to, so that people can get easily get from where they live to where they need to be for either a job, or for a medical appointment, or for um, a dental appointment, um, you know, whatever. So um, the, that's going to take working with the health department, um, and we were able to open um, the only. Uh, walk-in testing clinic in the entire county, I was able to um, get the county executive and the health department to agree to open on the Golden Mile. Um, so that was one of the things we were able to address very quickly um, during COVID. Uh, and that testing clinic has since been um, transformed into a satellite office for the health department so that there will be programs and um, and um, information available there. Um, I would also like to get some healthcare services available out there. Um, I know the city of Frederick is looking to open a healthcare office of some sort out there. Uh, and I think that that's critical for that area because, again, the transportation issues, um, not everyone who lives in the Hillcrest area or in Amber Meadows or in some of the other areas in District 3 have access to <clears throat> a car. And so, um, unfortunately, um, in the 60s and se- in the 70s and 80s, as Frederick was growing, we were growing around um, um, automobile-based um, transportation um, concept. And we are now working back to um, kind of a multimodal concept. 
but it's going to take us some time and, and, and until that is, you know, available and workable throughout the city, um, we're going to need some public transportation options for people. Uh, and um, that goes back to, you know, making sure that the bus routes um, are workable and um, provide a good alternative for people to get around. So what's like the first legislative priority that you would try and push forward in a, in a third term? The first legislative priority uh, would probably be, well, um, maybe look at, well, the, both um, health and transportation are not going to be legislative. Those are going to be um, just working with the administration. Okay. So probably the, health, the, the, the legislative priority, um, maybe something looking at ensuring uh, that we have equity um, in our um, procurement practices in the county so that we um, are ensuring that we are getting the information about um, possible contracts with the government out to the various communities and ensuring that they understand how to go about um, entering into the you know procurement contracting um, process and that they understand it and they um, are provided those opportunities as well. Then bringing it back to health and transportation, what would some of those conversations with the new county executive administration look like? And I guess it, it obviously depends on who wins. It's going to depend on who wins, but it, but really and truly, um, Frederick County is a very caring community. We do care about our um, our residents, uh, and so I don't think um, it makes a difference as to um, which party wins. It's just making um, whoever is sitting in that seat understand understand the needs. Um, and the, um, the, the issues that are of greatest concern to the communities in District 3, and they are varied depending on which community you go to. So it would be probably ongoing conversations to help them understand. Um, in the case of Councilmember Fitzwater, uh, I think she understands it a little better because she and I have served on the council for the last eight years together. Uh, in the case of Senator Michael Huff, um, that'll just take some, um, you know, some some longer conversations. But I have no doubt in my abilities to persuade him of the needs of this these communities. All right, switching gears a little bit. Uh, so since July, the council has been holding meetings about the Sugarloaf Treasured Landscape <laughs> Management Plan. Mm-hmm. It's a plan to preserve Sugarloaf Mountain and the land surrounding it, and it's the first area plan that is part of the larger Livable Frederick Master Plan, which the county passed in 2019 to guide development and preservation. Are are you in favor of the Sugarloaf Plan in its current form, and why or why not? I have some concerns. Um, one of my biggest concerns deals with the fact that the um, Stronghold Corporation, which owns and, and maintains control of the Sugarloaf Mountain, um, is they have concerns about the plan. Um, how do you have a treasured area plan that either does not contain the resource that you're trying to protect or um, the resource you're trying to protect decides that because of that plan, they are going to close their resource to the use of the public. So I think there, I have some concerns about that. And so I think there need to be some more conversations um, with the Stronghold Corporation to understand exactly where their problems lie. Um, and, you know, the, the plan itself uh, is 
overall a good concept. We are trying to protect an area of this county that is um, a landmark. It is uh, when you drive up um, 270 from um, <clears throat> Montgomery County, when you drive across I-70 from um, Baltimore, that is one of the first things you see as you're coming into Frederick County. So um, that is, it is a true treasure. Um, and how do we go about protecting that while recognizing um, the rights of the people who live in and around that area? And I think we have to be very careful. So you're going to see um, the council go through some trying to thread this needle um, very carefully. And uh, I think the next couple of weeks will be crucial to um, making sure that we can do that. Do you think you'd support exempt, <coughs> exempting their land to be able, from the plan, <coughs> to be able to keep them out in Whose land? Uh, strongholds? Um, well, again, how do you exempt the land um, from being under the protections if that's the whole point of the plan? So I'm not sure how we're going to reconcile all of this. And that's, um, that's, a, that's, that's the needle that we're going to try and thread. And so the county has already begun meeting with community members about the, the next regional mm -hmm, plan mm -hmm. in the Livable Frederick Master Plan. This one's called the South Frederick Corridors Plan. It'll examine an area south of Frederick along Maryland 355 Urbana Pike and Maryland 85 Buckystown Pike, and, which is the second most economically significant region of the county, uh, second to Frederick City. Mm-hmm. Goals for the plan include reinforcing and creating economic strengths and assets, supporting existing business and industries, and fostering innovation and opportunity from the, as from the plan documents. How can the county improve its public process for this plan, if, if it needs to be improved at all, or what lessons were learned from going through the Sugarloaf plan? So I was part of the steering committee for um, the Livable Frederick Master Plan, uh, and that was a very... Um, public engaged process. Uh, there were numerous, numerous, numerous meetings where the public came in and listened to the deliberations of the advisory, the, the steering committee and the various subcommittees that were working on individual aspects of that plan. Uh, and the public was in the room as the discussions were taking place. I think the problem that we encountered with um, the Sugarloaf Plan, going back to that just briefly, um, was that the entire planning process took place during COVID. So it's no one's fault that there seemed to be um, less public engagement and that the public is now um, complaining that they didn't know and they didn't understand. It was just a happenstance of the time period that that plan was being worked on. Um, and so because we're more fully vaccinated and we can go back to public meetings, um, I think the public is back engaged again. And the meetings are um, very similar to how we did Livable Frederick. And so the public is in the room. They're hearing the discussions. They're hearing the deliberations of the steering committee, um, <clears throat> and the, the other folks who were involved, the public has the right to, to give input after every meeting. And so um, when the public is more fully engaged and when all the stakeholders are more fully engaged and they're all in the same room and they're watching and they're seeing what's going on, 
there is more buy-in to the final product. And I think that's the problem we're having with Sugarloaf is that public meeting and public engagement of everyone in the same room at the same time and seeing all the deliberations going on never was able to take place because of COVID and because of the circumstances of that went along with that. And you don't have the same public buy-in. And that's, I think, the problem that we're running into. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to the discussions on the South Frederick Corridor Plan. I think they're going to be less contentious because of this public, very, very public process and everybody being in the room at the same time. And I'm hoping that it'll be a smoother process <laughs> with, with less um, acrimony. Um, and I think, you know, because we had a very good process with Livable Frederick, I mean, that was an award-winning plan because of how we went about putting it together. Um, I'm, I have high hopes for the South Frederick Corridor Plan because of that. It's, it's modeled right after how we did Livable Frederick. <coughs> so it sounds like there does need to be like a restructuring of the public process more that this time it's, it's happening uh, at a different point in in the in the pandemic things are a little more under control people have vaccines exactly okay. people have the vaccinations people are able to sit there people are comfortable sitting there even if they sit there with a mask on um, there is something to be said for building public trust when they're able to actually see what's going on okay uh, last year the council approved the 20 million dollar purchase of a 26 acre property mm -hmm. along himes avenue mm-hmm which includes a 209,000-square-foot facility currently used for COVID vaccines. Correct. The, the county purchased the property with intentions of accelerating large projects like building new county offices, relocating the 911 call center, potentially adding a library to the west side of the city. Um, we should note that the property is located in your district. What do you think the property should be used for? So, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> right now our, our first plan is to put the 911 call center there. Um, that um, division has needed more space for several years now. This will allow them to expand that space to deal with um, emergency situations, sort of what we're dealing with right now in Florida, where you need a very large number of people in one spot at one time to deal with a major um, issue. <clears throat> and they're all in the same building. Um, so uh, not not that we're hoping to have another issue and something like that, but it because the building is that large and because the spaces will afford them that opportunity, we should be able to deal with um, emergency situations like that um, more efficiently and more effectively. <coughs> but the 911 call center is our number one priority to get there. Uh, at this time, my understanding is there are other um, divisions that are looking at possibly uh, relocating to that building which would free up space in other buildings, um, which would allow us to sell them, um, which is what we're in the process of doing right now with the Pine Avenue um, um, building. Uh, that part of the, our Department of Public Works was located there. They have now moved all of their um, equipment and functions and everything to the Pine Avenue building, uh, excuse me, to the um, Himes Avenue building. Mm -hmm. And so... <clears throat> They're going to be there, and that allows us the ability to sell the the facility at Pine Avenue. Um, and my understanding is um, we could possibly relocate some of the operations that are in the Sagner building, which is right on Carroll Creek, which is prime real estate. 
and if we are able to relocate all of those functions to the Himes Avenue building, that would then allow the county to declare that property surplus and sell that, which would be a huge shot in the arm um, for the, the redevelopment of Carroll Creek and um, to the city tax rolls. And where do the plans for a library branch on the west side stand <clears throat> now? Well, you would have to talk to the county executive about that because yeah. that is her decision. My understanding with my, my latest conversations with her about this is that um, she plans, um, you know, at my encouragement, she's planning to come back, go back to the community um, and have, um, you know, another discussion about, um, you know, from the broader community what, um, w you know, we have now... Uh, three options um, for property up in um, the Westside Regional Park, which we did not have at our last meeting. Um, so we have those options on the table. Um, and I think she plans to lay out for the community, um, you know, the timeline and the financial aspects for each of the options. The problem we have now is <clears throat> we had our last meeting on this back in May, um, and the community was divided. We had some people who wanted it down closer to Waverly Elementary School. Um, we don't own any property um, in that area, nor does the city, so that's a problem. Um, <clears throat> we have other folks in the community who want it up um, at the Westside Regional Park, which is closer to Butterfly Ridge and Hillcrest Elementary School. Um, we now have three choices to look at in that park. Uh, and then we also have the Himes Avenue building, which... The, we heard from community members who would like it sooner rather than later, and that option um, is a more viable option for sooner rather than later. So I'm not sure where she's gonna where she's gonna come down on this, <clears throat> but um, she does plan to have another meeting and hear from the community, and I think um, let them um, you know understand the timeline and the financial aspects of each of these options and then um, get feedback on what 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 their thoughts are. Um, I, I think it's important to hear from them because this is a community that feels very strongly about um, <clears throat> the location of that, that building, that, that library. And um, <clears throat> again, we go back to the disparities as far as... Um, ease of transportation to get um, people to the, to and from the library. Um, and that's, that is a unique aspect um, of you know, the Hillcrest area. Uh, so results from the July primary election show that your opponent, Jasmine DeCola, beat you by, by one vote. Mm -hmm. uh, a judge, though, disqualified Decola after finding that she had not lived in the, in District 3 for at least one year prior to the election, which the county's charter requires. The election showed, though, that uh, voters in your district were divided. Correct. Uh, what do you think this revealed about your standing with the voters that you've represented since 2014? I think it shows that there is an element in um, District 3 that felt... Um, their voices had not been heard. Uh, and um, I have made it a point um, in the months since that um, election to try and reach out to um, different communities in the district to hear from them um, as to 
what concerns they have uh, and to try and understand um, how to best go about trying to address those concerns um, and helping them understand that <clears throat> perhaps some of the concerns that they have <clears throat> might not be able to be addressed at the county level. They might be concerns that are con city concerns or state or federal concerns. Um, but I recognize that there is a segment of the community that feels that um, they had their their voices had not been heard or heard um, enough. Uh, is there anything you do differently in a in a third term to reconcile that? Yeah, I think the thing that I do differently is I make a more concerted effort to reach out to um, organizations and um, groups in the community. Um, I had relied on them to reach out to me when there was an issue because that's, it, it was, I, I assumed that they would do that. If there was an issue, um, they would reach out to me. I know um, many of the people who um, supported uh, my opponent actually had my personal cell phone number. Um, and I understand that they had concerns, but they never reached out to me about those concerns. And so, um, but I won't assume that any longer. I will, um, I will take the, the initiative and reach out to them uh, and hold probably regular uh, meetings with various um, people in the community so that I can hear from them personally about anything, any concerns they have or any concerns that they're hearing um, within the community. So, I mean, I have gone to the NAC meetings for years. Clearly, the NAC meetings are not um, always 100% um, representative of concerns within the community. Um, I go to other um, group meetings, but I have to do a better job of um, making sure that I'm reaching out to all aspects um, of um, every every community, whether it's <clears throat> whether it's Hillcrest, whether it's Amber Meadows, whether it's um, Clover Ridge or North Crossing or Willow Willowbrook or Willow, you know, it's just there's so many communities, and each one of them has their own little set of concerns, which I have found out um, in the last few months as I have done this outreach. Um, depending on which neighborhood you're talking about, um, they have their own um, unique perspective on what's going on in the city and in the county, um, and you have to be um, everywhere um, all the time. And so I will, do, I will do my best to do a better job of that. <coughs> what are some of the concerns that, that you've heard that, that wouldn't be uh, addressed at the county level? Well, traffic along city roads. The county can't do anything about that. So, um, in fact, I went to a NAC meeting just Wednesday night, uh, and they were discussing um, traffic calming devices on some of the roadways <clears throat> between Fort Detrick and Route 15 and between Rosemont and 7th Street that the city is going to try and um, <clears throat> put in place to um, addre address some of the speeding along um, Wilson um, Wilson and Military Road, uh, Lee, Biggs Avenue, all, Tawny, um, there's play, things that they're going to try and do to address speeding. Um, I've heard that speeding is an issue in many parts of the city. Um, 
the county really doesn't have a say in that. So I understand that they have concerns, but I, I you know, that's not a county issue. Um, things that are county issues are things like transportation and public transportation and access to public transportation, um, and things like, um, um, you know, the health department satellite office along the Golden Mile. Um, Things like um, making sure that the recycling is picked up appropriately. Um, you know, so, so there are some county issues that that you know will overlap with city issues, um, but you know, it just it's 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 confusing for District Three. It really is because about ninety um, percent of District Three is actually just within the city of Frederick, and um, those are planning and zoning decisions and traffic decisions that the county doesn't have a say on. Is there anything else that you would look to accomplish in a third term that maybe we didn't touch on? Um, I still have to fix the um, the solar um, the solar um, ordinance. Uh, we I, in my first term, I passed a solar ordinance allowing large scale solar arrays um, on agricultural land, um, <clears throat> and that has not um, worked out as well as we would have liked it. So I have to go back and um, revisit that ordinance and fine tune it a bit. Um, and uh, at the same time, I'm going to look at the, um, the, the requirements for the, um, the solar, what they call solar siting, meaning all of the um, landscaping and stuff around the solar facility to um, make it less obtrusive to the neighbors. Um, <clears throat> so I would like to do that. And I still, um, you know, there, there's a couple of us that would like to go back and just do a complete review of our land use tables and um, some of our some of our zoning um, ordinances, just because it hasn't been done in a while, and we probably need to go back and look at that. All right, well, Council President, thank you so much for coming into the newsroom and and joining me in the booth. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's a great way to spend a Friday morning. Thank you.